Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to thepetecalendarshow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. But we do have a lot that we're going to get into today, and you've got me up until 3 o'clock. And as always, guys, 704-570-1110, that's the telephone number to get in on the show. Always, always taking your phone calls. And then also, don't forget that you guys, if you want to know what's going on in the world of Charlotte, in and around the world of Charlotte, for all the latest and breaking news, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen. So we've got a lot to get into, some sports things, obviously because of what transpired with the Panthers today. And, you know, I've been covering the Panthers for the last few years for WBT, and then obviously we covered the Panthers for many years before that when I was at Fox Sports and other places as well. So we'll get into the Panthers situation. Not that we're going to get into it, but I just just find this interesting because, I mean, I like to – like Pete, I tend to talk about only – Mostly things that tend to deal locally, either the city of Charlotte, Mecklenburg County, Gaston County, you know, Cabarrus, whatever, or state. Something that's going on that will impact the state. This doesn't impact the state. I just find it interesting that Tiger Woods and Nike ended their partnership after 27 years. And you really saw this coming when Nike decided, you know what, we're not going to make golf clubs anymore. Well, why aren't they making golf clubs? Because they were awful. They were really bad golf clubs, and no one was buying them. And so they got out of the golf club business, and so then they just were making golf apparel. And so Tiger Woods and Nike ending their relationship after 27 years together. And that's kind of a big news. Just, I mean, think about it. If uh, the two most famous people to ever wear Nike, obviously, number one, we know who that is that put Nike on the map, Michael Jordan and Air Jordans and all that. But number two was Tiger Woods. Like, he was the face of their golf franchise. And so it's kind of a big deal in the world of business, if you will. Not really sport, but more so in the world of business. But I do want to start off with the world of sport. Because Jeff Rickard, the program director over at WFNZ, he's going to be joining us momentarily uh, next segment in about, oh, 12 minutes or so from now. And we're going to talk about what happened with the Panthers. The general manager, Scott Fitter, was fired. And when the Panthers started out really bad, and they started out 0-5, I believe, maybe even 0-6, before they got their first win against Houston, who, by the way, clinched a playoff berth um, this past weekend. But when I would go on with Bo and Beth on Good Morning BT, they would always say, well, what do you think about you know Frank Reich? Is he safe? I was like, he's in his first year. I mean, yeah, he's, he's going to be totally fine. I kept saying... The one that I think is in trouble is Scott Fitterer. He's the one that put this team together. I said, now I can tell you that the excuse will be, well, Matt Rule had control over all the player personnel decisions, and I'm just trying to get rid of his dead weight. So it's going to take a while to purge all the garbage that Matt Rule brought in. And they got rid of a lot of people. They did. But that that was the... The part that, you know, you can say, well, he's trying to change and get rid of the, he doesn't really have his players in place yet. Here's the problem. 
I did not see Frank Wright getting fired, nor did anyone else see that happening. I mean, it was it was purely, purely uh, dysfunctional. Assistant coaches texting David Tepper behind each other's back about what was going on. The Bryce Young situation, the offensive line being one of the worst in the NFL. By the way, Bryce Young led the NFL in getting sacked this year. Congratulations, Bryce Young, on a, on a record performance. Nice job. You got sacked more than any quarterback in the NFL this year. Congratulations. And so, but between having no wide receivers and no offensive line, yeah, it was, it was, it was a great year. Defense played well, but Scott Fitterer, the general manager, gets fired, and that's not surprising. I, you, you could see that coming. Now, what you have to wonder is if David Tepper went to Scott Fitterer and said, get me the number one draft pick, or if Scott Fitterer went to David Tepper last year and said, we need to trade for the number one draft pick. I'm curious who led that discussion because someone always brings it up first. It's, it might have been mutual in the end, but someone always initiates it. And if it was Tepper that initiated, get me the number one pick so we can draft Bryce Schilling or C.J. Stroud, then I don't know why you would fire Scott Fitter unless you're blaming him for the awful wide receivers and blaming him for the awful offensive line. Now, If it was Scott Fitterer that said, hey, I'm going to get Bryce Young. What are your thoughts? Are you okay with this? And they gave up a lot. We know about DJ Moore and last year's first-round draft pick, this year's first-round draft pick, a second-round draft pick next year, I believe. So if it was Scott Fitterer's idea to give up what they gave, and here's what you hear. They traded for the number one pick without even knowing who they were going to take. That is malpractice. That's what, I mean, how do you trade for something when you don't know what you what you want? And I know you guys are probably going, this is a politics station. I, I get it. But the Carolina Panthers, regardless of what you think about city council, school board, county commissions, or the mayor, the Carolina Panthers rule this city by far. It's not even close. The most important entity in Charlotte is the Carolina Panthers. Even if you're not a sports fan, what happened uptown doesn't happen uptown without the Carolina Panthers and the stadium being built there in 1995. Doesn't happen. All the studies show businesses go where there are NFL teams. Not necessarily NBA teams, not Major League Baseball, not hockey. They go where the NFL teams are. All the studies show it. And when they built that stadium uptown in 1995, that's when uptown started its boom. Because as I always tell people, it was always the joke. You didn't go uptown. You weren't called uptown after dark, anywhere near uptown. And the big joke was, do you want crack or a hooker? Doesn't matter. Trade and try on. You're looking for something nefarious? Trade and try on. The corner trade and try on, that's where you went. And then the stadium came along, and now you see what Uptown is today. So a couple things. Carolina Panthers became the first team to be shut out in back-to-back games this week and last week since the Cleveland Browns did it in 2008, and that was when Cleveland was really bad, like right after they had just become an NFL franchise again. And then 
the Panthers also became the first team since 1991. Let that sink in for a second. 32 years to fail to run a single play while leading in the fourth quarter. Well, Brett, they won two games. Yeah, both of those wins came at the buzzer. So to end the game, the field goal kicks. So Jeff Rickard is the program director over there at WFNZ. And he also has his daily show from 10 to noon every single day as well. And I go on Jeff's show a lot, so I thought I'd turn the tables and bring Jeff in here with me to talk about Scott Fitterer because, like I said, I know we're a news talk show, but this was the home of the Carolina Panthers for all but, what, five years of their existence, now six years, as well as um, this is the Carolina Panthers are the number one thing in Charlotte and in the Piedmont region by far. They make this city go. They, They do. When the Panthers do well, the city feels better. There's a different vibe. And it's not just Charlotte, Jeff. I mean, you, you you lived in Indianapolis. You've lived in Denver, all these other places. When the local NFL team, not necessarily the basketball team, but when the NFL team does well, it changes the city, at least the vibe. Take a look. You mentioned Cleveland just a moment ago. Cleveland, they, they think they're going, their fans think they're going to the Super Bowl, and that place is on fire right now. You take a look at Buffalo. They've got expectations the last couple of years for their football team. They were a little... Little sketchy on them, a little you know, for a few weeks this year. But after last night's big road win against Miami, they're all fired up again. There is a visible difference in the vibe that takes place in a city, and consequently, every time an NFL, particularly franchise, does really well, you can almost see economic growth alongside that too. I know it sounds crazy, but it's. I've seen certain studies where that has been demonstrated. And I can't point exactly to what those are now. It's been a few years. But I know I've heard that in the past and seen that. Um, it just it just feels better. When the team's playing well, everybody seems to be in a good mood. Everybody feels better about life. I did not agree with the Frank Reich firing. The Scott Fitterer firing, I was calling back in October. I thought this was what was going to happen. And when I would come on your show or Bo and Best show and get asked about it, Frank Reich, oh, Frank Reich's safe. He's safe. He's not getting fired. Scott Fitterer is the one that's in trouble. Well, obviously, they were both in trouble. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about Scott Fitter, the general manager put, who put this team together, this two and four, two and uh, what fifteen, two and fifteen team together? What are your thoughts about him getting the axe after three years? I think for him it was a much shorter duration. I'll tell you why. When he first came on, Matt Rule was the guy that was given all player personnel final decision. Nothing happened in that roster unless Matt Rule said it happened. We know that David Tepper has a quick trigger. Right, I think he told Scott Fitter, "Okay, you're in charge now. Fix this mess." And the mess got worse. No, it absolutely got and worse. And that's just the way it is. And, and uh, so and it's I, hard to say exactly how much of David Tepper's fingerprints are all over this because at the end of the day, it feels like he's really ultra involved. But we don't know to what extent he's involved. But I do know that he's not going to fire himself. So what do you do next? I also think coming off of this year, yeah, y- just have to start over everywhere. You just have to start over everywhere. And people ask me a lot, well, is Ezra Evero, uh, or Evero Ezra, is he going to stick around? Is he going to be the defensive coordinator? Uh, are they going to keep uh, a guy like Steve, you know, uh, Tate, Chris Tabor, who is the interim guy? My thought is if you're going to bring in a new general manager, a new head coach, that's their decision to make. It can't be David Tepper's decision when it comes to coaching staff decisions any longer. I think one of the things that doomed Frank is they had this all-star coaching staff. 
I don't know how responsible Frank was of putting that staff together. He may have been told, hey, I really need you to use this guy, this guy, the other guy. It never really came together. No, as, as a matter of fact, I mean, there was infighting coaches, assistant coaches, as I mentioned last segment, assistant coaches texting David Tepper behind each other's back about what was going on and who was doing what. I mean, when you've got. If assistant... I was David Tepper, wouldn't that have irritated you that you were getting those kinds of texts from Unless people? he wants them. I guess. Unless he actually wants them and is like trying to have a mole in the coach's office or whatever. So. Here we are, two and fifteen, uh, and the Carolina Panthers uh, will not have the number one pick uh, because they traded it last year to the Chicago Bears for Bryce Young. Some people have talked about should they try and trade again to try and get Drake May because you've got like most of the NFL scouts or the ones that you're you're hearing already from are saying that they think Drake May is will be a better pro. Well, you're going to have to find somebody who's picking in the first three or four spots. Yep and preferably in the first two spots, because there's no guarantee he might not be the number one overall pick. So what do you have left to trade for that? See, that's the question. And how badly does that hurt you going forward? If if you now decide to try and trade Brian Burns and you can get a first-round overall pick, and it's not just going to be Brian Burns for the first three or four picks. It's going to be a collection of players and picks. How much are you willing to go spend on that? And again, that's not a complete certainty either. We've seen a million times where mm-hmm. highly touted quarterbacks just don't work out the way you thought that they were going to work out. So what, 50, I think the number I saw... 50%. And I'm not sure they're out on Bryce altogether yet over there. Oh, I, I'm not either. I mean, but you, there's no way to judge him. But I think the numbers that I saw is like 50% of all first-round quarterbacks, uh, only 50% less longer than five years. It's tough. There's a lot of expectations, too. Yeah, you get exactly. drafted in the first round, people are expecting things. You know... Sam Darnold, who played yesterday for the San Francisco 49ers, and we saw here for a little while in Carolina, was a highly touted draft pick out of USC. He's not a bad football player. And he's shown moments where he can be, Mm -hmm. but he's also not a franchise quarterback player. And so what happens when you get selected that highly? There are these incredibly high expectations on you. Incredibly high expectations on you, right? Absolutely. Sam Darnold is good enough that he's going to be able to hang around and play football in the NFL for probably a dozen years, maybe fifteen as a backup. Probably as a backup, but spot starts here and there, and maybe you go to a team that's that's looking for an interim quarterback or something like that. But because he was picked in the first, if he'd have been picked in the fourth round, people go, "Oh, yeah, that's a good guy to have on your team." But because he was picked in the first round, people have a completely different expectation, and they feel like he's a disappointment of some kind, right? Everybody wants the next. Patrick Mahomes. Everybody's looking for the next yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Good luck with that. Right? There's, uh, there's a reason they only come around every so often. Uh, we got exactly one minute left. You on the Jim Harbaugh bandwagon? Like, did David Tepper talk to him last year before hiring Frank Reich? What are your thoughts Oil on and what water. they need? I don't think those two could get along. I agree. I, I think Harbaugh wants way too much power, and I don't think uh, he's willing to give it up. I think that's just who he is. It's like Belichick. If you want the, if you want what they offer, this is what it's going to take. I, w- I definitely don't want Belichick here. I I'm, think, I'm not I think saying it, that's. Right, I'm not right. saying that's necessarily the the way to right, go. My right. point being, along with Harbaugh, there are some people that are like, you're going to have to stay out of my way. I'll take your job, and yes, you're the owner, and I do report to you, but day to day, you got to stay out of my way. Which is why Jerry Jones has never hired one of those coaches. He hired one and built Parcells, and how did that work? <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. 
Jeff Record over there at WFNZ, the program director. You hear his show every single day. I like what you say. It makes me sound important. Well, it I makes mean, me sound more important than I really am. I mean, well, I mean, you know, you're way up the, the food pyramid. Depends, depends only if things go wrong. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I do appreciate you coming in and spinning because I know you just got done with your show, and the last thing you want to do is talk more sports with good. me, so I appreciate, I appreciate you that. Guys, man. It's my... WBT debut, by the way. Oh, look at that. I don't think I've ever been And how long have you been before. here, by the way? Year and a half. Year and a half, and I'm the one that broke the mold. There you go. Look at that. All right, so let's get into some other things right now. So, that Alaskan Airlines door that flew out, and the NTSB has grounded all those type of planes. I think it's around 120 planes that they have grounded. That plane particularly has been the bugaboo for Boeing. It has been one where they, if you remember, they they crashed earlier. Uh, when, you know they had to recall all the planes. I don't know what four or five years ago, seven thirty seven Maxes, and then they became really really safe. And then now you have the door flying open because they think it might be a structural flaw. Great. Now, I'm glad they took the the wherewithal to go ahead and immediately ground all planes. The last time, there had been a couple of crashes in the United States NTSB. Europe was banning those planes. The United States was one of the last countries and entities to actually pull the plug on those planes, saying they can't fly anymore until you fix it. But now, they were at the forefront, saying, oh, nope, 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 we got issues. Let's Let's... Let's stop this immediately. And I will tell you, because I have airline status, I get to pick seats in coach without having to pay upgrades. And most people usually want the exit rows. And they pay all that extra money to sit in an exit row because you get way more leg room. That's why. It's all about leg room. But I generally don't like sitting in exit rows. And it's just an, an irrational fear that what happens if the door blows open? And it wasn't that the door came open. It got sucked out. That whole section just got sucked out of the plane. Thankfully, they were still relatively low. They weren't cruising at 35,000 feet at 500 miles an hour. And it didn't suck the people out of the airplane. There was nobody sitting next to the hole that got sucked out. And I am one of those people. I used to be a great flyer. Then I was the world's worst flyer. And now I'm an average flyer. Like I, 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 would, I got to the point where I had such, I had such a bad experience once on an airplane that uh, where we had to do an emergency landing and it was horrible and the power cut out on the plane in mid-flight as we were going up. And it just, everything cut off, and the plane started gliding and dropping a little bit, and then everything kicked back on. And this was at night, and the entire power, the interior lights went off, except for the emergency lights on the on the run, or on the footpath, the, the aisle. And then they kicked back on, and it was terrifying. And we had, like, uh, fire engines and all that stuff, and ambulances waiting for us at the end of the runway. And we, we got down, but it was horrifying and terrifying and so after that moment i became a horrible flyer like just i would drive by an airport and i'd see a plane take off 
and I'd immediately start getting massive anxiety and I'd start getting like the heart racing and everything else. Well, then I don't know about maybe back in 2016, 2015, I became a, your average flyer, not a big fan of turbulence, but other than that, I'm good to go. And so, because most people are okay flying, they just really don't like turbulence. And I have a couple of airline pilots, one for United and one at American that I'm really good friends with, and they'll tell you everything. Brett, the turbulence isn't the problem. You're, you're good. That, that's, that's, there are way worse things than turbulence. That's, that's not one of them. So, okay. I, I know you say that, but when you're bouncing up and down, it just, it does not feel good. But, so I don't sit next to the emergency exits. I don't. People like it. I just, because you get all the extra leg room, like I said, I don't do it for an irrational fear that the door might blow open and get sucked out. Oh, I'm sorry. What just happened on the American Airlines flight? Oh, it just got sucked out. And can you imagine if you were the person sitting there and you've got all that wind rushing next to you trying to suck you out of the airplane, your mask comes down, your uh, you know, your decompression mask comes out so you can breathe regular oxygen, but you've got so much wind, how are you going to be able to put that on? Like, that's a whole thing. And then you're going to, you can't get out. And if by some chance you don't get sucked out of the plane, you have to sit there and take that wind because you can't undo the seatbelt and go someplace else. Because you'll get sucked out of the plane if you undo your seatbelt. So you just have to sit there and take it until you're at a low speed at low altitude. And you have to fly below 10,000 feet is where you don't need the pressurized masks. Anything below 10,000 feet, you're good. It's cold and windy, but you don't need to have the masks on below 10,000 feet. And that flight didn't land immediately like it, it it got everything under control you know flew around circled a little bit and then came in for the landing it didn't go we were returning back right now they're like all right we're going to get below 10,000 feet maybe around 8,000 feet i think it maybe got to 7,000 feet and then they were just going to stabilize the situation assess the situation and then we'll land and that's what happened All right. Do the current world events have you wondering whether we are teetering on the edge of catastrophe? Are you concerned it's going to reach our shores? Okay. So what are you doing about your concerns? Let me help. Carolina Readiness Supply at carolinareadiness.com. Whether you're looking to expand your emergency preparedness supplies or you have no idea where to even begin, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you. Food, water purifiers, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies even because being prepared is just smart carolina readiness supply has 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials that you'll need for any kind of emergency in waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com veteran owned carolina readiness supply will you be ready when the lights go out holidays take a lot out of you and this was the most expensive holiday season I'd ever had and was not happy about it and was not uh, was not happy about it, was not expecting it, and things just kept happening. Oh, well, Brett, you're invited to this party and you have to bring a gift. <sighs> okay. 
Like maybe I don't want to bring a gift. Right, you, you come into this one, and you're, I was like, oh. So I wound up spending about $1,000 more than I had anticipated. Not happy. Not happy. And as I like to say, that's why God invented credit cards. So anyways, but hopefully all you guys out there listening will start feeling better and getting on the mend. And hopefully people start feeling better and we'll be able to talk about a lot of different things uh, with you guys for the rest of the week. So generally my show, which comes on it's from 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock at night, it's just an hour long. And I try to hit four different topics in that one hour. Now, sometimes some topic will be a full hour. Like if I have Sheriff McFadden in studio with me, it's usually for the full hour. When I have guests in studio with me, it's for a full hour. And now, but this, these type of long form situations, it's nice. I can talk about a particular topic for two minutes or two segments if I want, or one segment or three segments and take all your phone calls as much as you want because you're not trying to fit and cram as much in as quickly as possible so you can cover as much. So you can be a little bit more lucid on this. So that's why I went Carolina Panthers for two segments. And then you can talk about whatever stuff. And you guys, if you know anything about me, and whenever I'm on air, either with Bo and Beth or on my own show or with Mark Garrison when he had shot at six or Winnable, whatever, I'm just brutally honest about things that go on in my personal life. No, not everything. You guys don't know everything. But at the same point, so I, talk, I tend to talk about things like Christmas. I mean, a lot of people would not say that they had to spend an extra thousand dollars. Like I... I think we've all been there where whether it's with kids or fiancés or wives or in-laws and you're like, wait a minute, how the hell did I end up spending that much? Great. Great. Awesome. Thanks. Oh, and what oh, and what I got back? Oh, I got a pair of socks in return. Thanks. Appreciate it. <laughs> appreciate appreciate that. Um but the the worst part was having to go to all the Christmas dinners. Because none of the Christmas dinners were at someone's house. They were all at restaurants. And they all decided to pick expensive restaurants. I had two Christmas dinners at Del Frisco's. One at the Palm. One at Steak 48. And I'm like, what in the world? And these are places that I, I mean, I, I tend to hang out at Del Frisco's. I don't know, once every two weeks I'll go eat there. But I wouldn't have eaten at all those places had it not been for the holidays. But I don't know. That's why uh, January to me has always been a month because it's it's brutally cold. You're wound up through October with Halloween. And then you get into November with all the, the Thanksgiving stuff. And then you get the Christmas and then the New Year's. And it's just like January. I'm glad that you have all these holidays in January. Just because you need an extra day to recuperate sometimes from the previous three months. Like January to me is the quietest month of the year. Because February, you start getting into Valentine's Day. And towards the end of February, it starts getting a little bit warmer, especially here in Charlotte and in the south. And then, you know, spring, you've got, you know, with March, with uh, 
with all kinds of stuff going on with like, you know, St. Patrick's Day and you're still, you know, 70 degrees outside. January is like the dead month, at least to me. I don't know about anybody else, but to me, January is the dead month. And I just, very little seems to happen in January. And you get those extra days where, um, like I said, you get a Martin Luther King Day off. And you just start getting these extra days off because you need them. And just because I need to recuperate. Just absolutely need to recuperate. But anyways, like like I said, I I know that's not local politics because we are going to get into local politics when we come back. At the uh, we, you know later on, we're going to get into in about ten minutes or so from now, we're going to get into the whole congressional district, District Eight, Monroe, Cabarrus County, Stanley County, uh, Anson County, everything going east. We're going to get into those, and because uh, we've, we've got some really exciting news to talk about with that stuff, but also, no one knows those candidates. Nobody. I would dare say not a single reporter, not a single reporter, knows those candidates better than I do. Now, there's like one that I know and one that I don't, but I mean, in terms of Lee Brown, and then uh, Don Brown, and obviously John Bradford, Mark Harris. I know those four extremely well, and I've talked to them a ton. On the record, off the record. No one knows that district in the media better than I do. Or I should say no one knows those candidates in the media better than I do. And it's just because I spend so much time talking to them and have spent so much time talking. I mean, we had, I had Mark Harris in my studio uh, the Thursday before Christmas, December 21st. I had Mark Harris in studio for a full hour and, you know, hope, hope to be able to get a couple of the other candidates in studio leading up to a special thing that we've got coming on at the end of the month from WBT. So... It is. We are going to get into that. We are going to get into politics because that does impact. And by the way, that district also goes into Mecklenburg County. Like I know we talk a lot about Union County, and it gets you know half of Cabarrus County and up in uh, Albemarle, over there in Stanley County and stuff. I get that, but it hits like the whole eastern side or the southeastern side of Mecklenburg County. Absolutely. Uh, we got someone who wants to give a traffic tip real quick. We don't need it. Okay. All right. Yeah, we. That's what that's what we got Pam for. That's what we got Pam for. But I appreciate the phone calls. Um, but yeah, so the, we are going to get into that whole district. We're going to start breaking it down and looking at because it, it does impact. I, for, I, I tend to forget District Eight does impact Mecklenburg County. Absolutely does. And then all of Union County. Half of Cabarrus County, Stanley County, which is like I said, Albemarle, Anson County, and then a couple of the counties going east. It absolutely impacts all that stuff. So when we come back, we are going to talk about that. And I'll give you my thoughts on those candidates and the races. There hasn't been any official polling done yet. But you, again, I don't think you, I mean, I have spoken to so many people connected with those races and 
people behind the scenes and in front of the scenes and everything else. We'll break that all down when we come back because I want you guys to know what's going on. I'm Brett Jensen, and you're listening to The Pete Callender Show.